It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by NBA expert, NBA guru, got Jay Smoove in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smoove underscore 702. You guys can always find us at TheBettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. I got to talk a little NBA, Jay Smoove and I. We're going to cover the four, five, six seeds in the Eastern and Western Conference. Before we get to that, I do want to go ahead and clean up some stuff that came out in the news today. We we got the all-star results. I'm curious what you think about the Dragic trade. Personally, I like it. I think he can go ahead and help that team. I like the fact that, you know, New Jersey's being aggressive. They're still going ahead and they're, uh, you know, continuing to build, looking to go ahead and get themselves, you know, to a title. I'm curious what you think about the Dragic move and where do you actually see him being used? You know, will he be a starter? Will he... You know, continue to go ahead and play off the bench. You know, what do you see for uh, you know Brooklyn with Dragic right now? Yeah, I'm with you. I like I like the pickup of uh, Dragic to Brooklyn. Um, I think it's some uh, assurance for them. You know, especially down the line. You know, coming towards the uh, playoffs. You know, right now with uh, you know picking up Ben Simmons, I think you have Patty Mills. You know, their next best guard, uh, Cam Thomas. You know, the rookie out of LSU who's, you know, pretty much a certified scorer, but, you know, playoff basketball, deep runs in the playoffs, trying to win a title. Uh, it's kind of hard to rely on, you know, first-year players, you know, rookies coming into the league. So I think Dragic just gives them some more assurance to, you know, a steady veteran that's used to being on, you know, playoff playoff teams, you know, teams that's, you know, trying to go for a title. You know, last time we saw him healthy, you know, was with the Heat in the bubble that 2019, you know, 2020 season when they went against the Lakers, but he wasn't healthy in that finals matchup, but that run leading up to the finals in that playoffs, you know, he was really good. And I think he actually came off the bench for that team as well because they started uh, Kendrick Nunn and Dragic um, was averaging about 18 to 20 points a game, you know, for that Heat team. So I think it really solidifies their guard rotation when you think about them having Ben Simmons, Patty Mills, Seth Curry, you know, and Kyrie Irving, you know, at least for the away games, we'll see how it goes uh, for home games, you know, if they lift the uh, vaccine mandate out there. But they have a nice solid rotation of uh, guard play you know, when it comes to, you know, making shots, creating offense for themselves or for their teammates. And they solidified that up with uh, Adam Dragic, you know, over the uh, break here. Yeah, I think the experience, at least the playoff experience, you know, the experience he has in the league, you know, will certainly help that team out, you know, when they do, in, in fact, get to the playoffs. If they get there, and that team still has work to do, sitting currently in the eight seed. But let's go ahead and let's talk about the four, five, six seeds. Uh, let's start it with the four seed, currently tied right now with Philadelphia and Milwaukee. We got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers defense, really good. And I asked you, you know, a couple of times, smooth, like, give me a team that, that, that kind of reminds you of you know, this particular Cavs team, because I don't believe a lot of people probably thought that they would be here. You know, they had their season win total. Uh, I think it was like 27 and a half. They already surpassed that. They surpassed that early. And this team was taken you know, a lot of people by surprise. You know, we didn't really talk much about the all-star game, uh, you know, prior to this podcast. But, you know, Jared Allen made the squad. Darius Garland made the squad. Two really good players, uh, obviously anchoring that that Cleveland Cavaliers team. But right now, is this a team that, you know, that can cause some trouble? You know, is there a team out there that, that kind of reminds you of of this team maybe in the past or maybe a, a current team in the NBA? For me, I, I honestly didn't see this team being here. 
And it's not that I don't think that they can get through. I just think that they might be, they might be a little bit too young uh, against some of these teams like, you know, the Bulls, the Heat, you know, 76ers, you know, maybe somebody like a Brooklyn or a Boston, M- Milwaukee, just a lot of veteran teams out there. So I wonder how this young team fares. But uh, that's where I'm kind of sitting at right now with Cleveland, kind of just don't want to say I'm not a believer. I, I guess I have to be smooth the fact that they're sitting in the fourth seed. They won 35 games. But I'm just curious, you know, where you feel with them right now and, and where you think that they're at or maybe where they're headed. Um, you know, if, if you go back to, you know, the start of last year, maybe the first 25, maybe 30 games or so, uh, the Cavs were playing at this pace, but, you know, a lot of, a lot happened to them with the, you know, injuries and COVID and they weren't able to sustain it. And, you know, they just went back to being like, uh, the Cavs that we come accustomed to since, you know, LeBron has left, but this year they got off to that same type of start. You know, as we can see that they're able to sustain it, you know, with the fourth best defensive rating and, you know, seventh best overall net rating. And, you know, they still had some injuries this year by, you know, losing Ricky Rubio, who was playing really well for them. He was the they were about seven and a half points better when he was on the floor versus off the floor. And then one of their, you know, lottery picks over the last couple of years, Colin Sexton, you know, he was playing pretty well. But they still just have a lot of guys that are very impactful and playing really well. And then they added, you know, Evan Moby, the big man out of USC, the rookie, uh, who also has been playing really well, probably the, you know, the front runner for rookie of the year. And his game has a lot of, you know, Chris Bosh or Anthony Davis to it. And, you know, their coach, Bickerstaff, he's a son of a NBA lifer, uh, Bickerstaff senior. So, the Cavs, I think this is something that they'll be able to sustain for the rest of the year. You know, they had the uh, sixth or seventh e- uh, easiest strength of schedule. But, you know, in the second half of the season, when they come out of this all-star break, they're going to have the ninth easiest strength of schedule. So I don't see any drop off of their production or impact, you know, once they come out and uh, get the second half of the season started. Plus, one of their starting forwards in Lori Marketing, he's expected to come back right after the break dealing with the ankle injury. And they've also had some downtime to get some practices under their belt for Karis Levert, who they recently required. He only played, you know, four games with them, but there were some spots where he looked really good. So I think he just gets more comfortable and solidifies that backcourt with Darius Garland, first-time All-Star. And he's having a, a great year, obviously, as he's been named the All-Star, but his impact is off the charts as well. You know, we thought their guard play would go down once, you know, Ricky Rubio and Colin Sexton was out for the year. But Darius Garland has, you know, taken a little bit more on his plate. And, you know, he's excelling really well. And the Cavs, when him when he's on the court, they're 10 and a half points better than when he's off the court. So um, he has a lot of great numbers. You know, Kevin Love, who's been a, pretty much a starter his whole career in the league, He's coming off the bench now because of, you know, the twin tower, the new twin tower tandem of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley at the five and four. You know, he's let those young guys step into that role. And, you know, he's having a good season off of the bench. So um, then they also have, you know, Rajon Rondo, who the, they traded for with the Lakers. So I think they have a great mix of young players and some veteran players and they have a, a great chemistry amongst the team. So. The Cavs will be a team that I will look to continue to back, you know, for the rest of the year. Can we identify a team like Cleveland in advance? Like a team like I'm looking at, like last year, Cleveland finished 22 and 50 on the year. 
and they were what the third worst seed in the East. And it was like, okay, cool. I could understand why a lot of people probably didn't have a whole hell of a lot of, you know, hype for that team this year, but like take like new Orleans, they're going to finish with a terrible record this year, probably like third or fourth worst seed, you know, in the West. Is that a team like that kind of fits the mold of like, you know, who Cleveland was last year dealing with injuries. Obviously we know Zion's all messed up this year. They bring in a new guy in CJ. Um, is, is somebody like the Pelicans, like a team, like, you know, don't discount them right now because things just haven't gone wrong. Things haven't formed correctly. Things haven't gelled. You know, we're talking about, you know, a lot of the bench players that, that Cleveland has that are really impactful. Somebody like a Kevin Love, you know, do you see somebody like maybe like a Pelicans, maybe a Kings, you know, maybe somebody like like the Pacers, you know, they, they bring in Halliburton. Like who's that team like right now that we're not seeing? Maybe you see signs now and it's like that's a team that we have to be high on next year and we don't you know, completely missed the opportunity to go ahead and, and, you know, cash tickets with like a team like Cleveland this year. For me, I wouldn't look too much at the Pelicans uh, just for one side of the, one side of the ball, uh, it's their defense and they're not that good. You know, we, we know they have a lot of offensive talent, uh, having Brandon Ingram and pairing them with CJ McCollum, having some great offensive nights since he became, uh, you know, joined the Pelicans to pair with Ingram. But, you know, they have the ninth worst, you know, defense, you know, this year. And since Zion has, you know, came into the league, the defense hasn't improved. And speaking of Zion, we just don't know when he's going to get back on the court. You know, when he, but we know when he's been out there, you know, he's put up some great numbers, but the defense has still not been, you know, where you, where it has to be to kind of be in that same mold or that same tier as where Cleveland is and, you know, some of these other teams that, you know, we're trying to identify, you know, before they pop. But I would look at a team like, you know, maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves. I know they're having a really good season now and they're in that playing situation out west, but they have the offensive players to build around but with D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns. And, you know, their head coach was a, a longtime assistant with the Toronto Raptors. So, you know, that, that coaching staff, you know, they know what they're talking about when t- when we're talking about, you know, developing players and, you know, playing hard every single night and playing well on the defensive end. So right now this season, the Timberwolves, they're about 15th in defensive rating and they have the offensive firepower to continue to build around in there, you know, pretty much around the same age. So th- that would be a team that I would look towards as far as, you know, looking towards the betting, you know, the rest of this season and then also – be kind of high on them going into next season. Uh, so for me, it'd be the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. I like that too. Um, you know, I've been kind of a, a pretty big supporter of Minnesota, at least the last year or two. I think once, you know, once they can go ahead and keep that healthy roster, you know, with, with Russell and Towns and Edwards, you know, that'll be a, a tough team to beat. I think I still think they need a couple, a couple key pieces, maybe some veteran leadership. When we look at Cleveland right now, twenty-three to one to go ahead and win the to win the Eastern Conference, you see any value in a ticket like that, or do you feel like maybe they're just a little bit short, or do you think maybe that's a ticket that we should hold on or that we should have in our pocket right now? That's a good value ticket, uh, you know, winning a conference, but I think it's more realistic and a better value on them to win the division uh, right now. DraftKings, uh, last time I checked, they were at plus three twenty. And the reason why I would, you know, like those odds better for them and a more realistic shot of cash in that ticket is because I mentioned the strength of schedule, but going back to it, um, these last 
25 games or so, they have the ninth easiest strength of schedule, while the Bucks have the hardest remaining strength of schedule. And with the Bucks being defending champs, and you know they won the championship, I think as the third seed, and the year before that in the bubble, they was the number one overall seed. So I don't really think for a team like them, seeding you know matters all that much, or winning the division matters all that much. I think that them being healthy is the biggest thing. You know, right now they're missing some key guys from their championship team with Pat Connington um, expected to come back middle of March from a finger issue and Brooke Lopez. He's only played one game all year. He's expected to be back at some point in time. So I think their main focus will be more so on health, while the Cavs team that really hasn't been in this spot for the last few years uh, doing really well, has been doing really well all season. I think you'll continue to see them play as hard as they can every single night to, you know, solidify their, you know, playoff seating and, you know, try to get into that top three right now. They're fourth and, you know, those teams are kind of bunched up, but I like the odds of their division, uh, winning their division at plus 320 more so than any other odds they have across the board. So that's something that I would look at playing uh, plus 320 to win the central division. All right. Good stuff on that. Let's jump to the next team. You just mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks currently right now, fifth seed again, tied with Philly and Cleveland, you know, from Milwaukee's move, I kind of thought that, that they would probably be the one team that, that could deal with the COVID stuff um, that could deal with any type of injury stuff. And they would still be right up there at the top. But the fact that they're fifth and look, I get it. They're only two and a half games out of, you know, being in first, but I kind of thought that they, that they would probably run away with this conference, them in Brooklyn. Obviously, Brooklyn hasn't worked out. But the fact that Milwaukee right now sitting in the fifth seed, you know, do you attribute some of that maybe to just like a title hangover thing? Is there anything that you're seeing with Milwaukee that, you know, has any any type of concerns for you right now? Or do you just think that, like, maybe they're taking the approach where it's just like, look, just get to the postseason for us. We already won the title. We know that we could probably beat and compete you know, most of these teams in the East. Is that kind of like what you're seeing with that team right now? Or do you have like any overall concerns with Milwaukee? A team that wins a title can go, you know, one or two ways. And there's never anything, you know, in the middle down the line to where they could be hungrier, hungrier and motivated coming into that next season to kind of prove that their first their first time winning a title, you know, wasn't a fluke for a team that's not really looked at as being there all the time like you would say maybe a Lakers or um, a Heat when they had their big three or, you know, there just wasn't a title favorite, even though they have Giannis, who's a top three player in the league. Or, you know, it can go, you know, the other way where you mentioned kind of a a title hangover where they're just kind of trying to get through the season and get to the playoffs and be healthy. But something I think they're taking for granted is, you know, Brooke Lopez and his impact you know, when he was healthy and playing for that team, we're not seeing him obviously a lot this year because he only played one game in that season opener. But going back to last year, you know, he was a, a big piece, you know, for them winning the title. I know Giannis gets a lot of the attention and credit and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, that's their big three. But, you know, Brooke Lopez was a guy that can solidify the the paint for them. He has also had a versatile game, step out and knock down threes. And, you know, he brought size as well. So he's a seven footer and he Giannis could take some pressure. He could take a lot of pressure off of Giannis defending other big guys. Like, you know, the game before the break, you saw Giannis matched up with and beat a lot. And, you know, Giannis has 
the size as far as, you know, being seven foot, six, 11 to match Embiid, but Embiid was just a little bit bigger and could, you know, do whatever he wanted to do, especially getting in the paint. So that, you know, that wear and tear that you put on Giannis, Brick Lopez can take some of that away from him. So then you've also seen, you know, the, the Bucks try to bring in different players at the center position to try to make up for the impact or production of a Brook Lopez where we, you know, we saw him with the stretch of having, you know, Boogie Cousins there and he put up some good numbers, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't a fit. Now he's currently on the Nuggets. Um, They just recently brought in Serge Ibaka and he's played three games with them so far. So 60 games into the season, they still haven't, you know, find a solidifying spot to kind of, you know, hold it down to Brooke Lopez comes back. So I think if he comes back and he's able to stay healthy, it wouldn't surprise me to see that Bucks team resemble a lot of the play that they did last year. Him being as big as he is and dealing with the back injury for this long, I wouldn't count on it as much. Like I mentioned, you know, they have the hardest remaining strength of schedule once the season gets back, you know, starting. You know, they had the second to easiest strength of schedule going into the break. So this back half of the season, you know, going into the playoffs is going to be a lot tougher for Milwaukee. But with them having that championship pedigree and, you know, kind of already being, you know, through the fire with this group of core players, I wouldn't expect a big drop off. But I would be looking at spots to play against Milwaukee um, with their last 22 games. Yeah, I guess the SOS kind of kind of gives you something to worry about. You know, you're talking about guys that really, you know, stepped up for that team and played well. I don't think we can probably not at least mention Bobby Portis. I mean, that dude's been balling. He's been a big help to that team. And I think one way or another, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be trouble. You know, when, when the playoffs come, it's just, uh, you know, it's another key player that they have. I like Milwaukee. It wouldn't surprise me to move one bit if they ended up winning the East. Like I get it. They're plus 270 right now to win the East, and they're sitting in the fifth seed. But, I mean, it's hard for me to discount that team because I get it. Like, yeah, you win the title. That team was growing, you know, for a couple of years now. But you have to figure, like, was last year their was last year their pinnacle or is it this year? And I don't know what you think about that. Like, I actually think this version of the Bucks right now um, could be better than that team last year. And you know, there's a lot of craziness going on right now in the East with Brooklyn, with Philly, got guys coming in, you know, that are new. Um, I get it, you know, Miami and the Bulls are there. But, man, it's just, I don't know. Do you think that the Bucks right now are a better version than, than the team we saw last year or no? Um, I would have to say no right now just because of their the moves that they've made have kind of already let me know that they really miss the consistency and the play of, of Brooke Lopez from last year. You know, you mentioned Bobby Portis, who's having a hell of a year um, stepping in for him. But, you know, with Brooke Lopez going down and inserting Bobby Portis into the to the starting lineup, it kind of makes your bench weaker. Um, you know, they had Cousins for a while, but now they have Ibaka. But you've had a healthy Brooke Lopez – then he can solidify your starting five spot. And then the production that you're getting out of Bobby Portis, the growth in his game from last year to this year, you have that coming off of the bench, plus the other additions that they brought in, like a P.J. Tucker and, you know, a Grayson Allen. Um, and they've just recently brought in a couple other players, you know, at the trade deadline, trading away Dante DiVincenzo. 
So I think if you have a healthy Brook Lopez, you know, even going back to last year, you know, they were about three points better with him on the uh, on the court versus off the court. That would make them, you know, have a stronger starting five as well as a, a stronger bench. Uh, with him being out and being down, they're kind of, um, you know, not as dominant as last year. But when you have a player like Giannis, he can, you know, mask up for those situations it gets against certain teams, but against those elite teams that have bigs like Embiid, um, maybe uh, Miami's uh, Bam Adebayo. I think that's where you're going to need, you know, a healthy Brook Lopez when he comes back, you know, sometime in March. All right, a lot of that makes sense to me now that you kind of break it down that way. Well, let's talk about Boston. Um, currently right now sitting in the 16. Team surgeon right now. They've won, what, nine out of their last ten games. Um, you know, Jason Tatum makes the all-star team. Jalen Brown doesn't. But I'm curious what you think about this team. A lot of people kind of seem like they're jumping on the Boston bandwagon or just the Boston train in general. No, I kind of like their starting five. I always did. I mean, once Brown was there um, and, and kind of just doing his thing, and it was like just, a, you know, this one-two tandem with him and Tatum, I'm like, that's a tough team to, to – it's a tough team to deal with. They kind of remind me of uh, maybe like a Blazers, you know, with like with McCollum and Dame. I don't know what to think about Boston. I think it's just one of those things where been here, done that, but they let you down at, in the end because they just don't have, you know, they don't have that Giannis. They don't have that Embiid. They don't have that big uh, middle presence type of guy. Maybe they don't have the coaching. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people like, like the coach, but I personally think he's a little overrated. But I'm just curious what you think right now with Boston, you know, where they're at. How far could they go? You know, could they you know, could they contend? Could they win the East or are they a real sneaky pick? Yeah, so when I was looking at this Boston team, just breaking down their numbers, um, you know, I was pretty high on them, you know, over the last month and a half, but something that has gives me pause for concern is is strength of schedule. You know, that's something I'm really big on. You know, when you beat somebody and, you know, the spot where you're playing them at, uh, I think that's a big deal for me. And the first half of the season, you know, they had the third easiest strength of schedule and coming out, you know, of this all-star break, they'll have the 10th hardest. So we're going to really see, you know, how legit Boston is, you know, once the season gets started back up here. But, you know, I do, you know, like the play of Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. I think it was pretty, you know, wise of them to, keep those two together, you know, as they're proven that they can play, you know, well alongside each other. Um, you have the emergence of uh, Robert Williams at the center position. I like the trade that they brought over, you know, from uh, the Spurs getting uh, Derek White. You have a solid, a solid player coming off the bench who's more consistent than the Dennis Schroeder. So I like what they did, you know, the first uh, half of the season, mainly the last you know, month and a half, two months leading to the All-Star break. But um, I would definitely be looking at spots to play against Boston since they're going to be having the 10th hardest schedule, uh, you know, the, for the rest of the season. Sometimes the schedule thing kind of gives me pause with a lot of stuff. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, players being injured and a lot of the COVID stuff that we dealt with. Now, every team had to deal with COVID. And the fact that you're like, okay, cool. You know, this team had a relatively easy schedule in the beginning, but – are they grading it off the team or are they grading it off of, you know, what players were actually on the court at that particular time? Like I get they could have probably played some bad teams and, and whatever the case. Maybe they were bad. Maybe they were going to beat them anyway. 
you know, but maybe they played some good teams in there too when they had, you know, kind of maybe they, maybe Boston was a team that like really benefited against, you know, with like COVID or something like that. And maybe their record is a little bit better than, than, than kind of what it should be. Now, with that said, you're saying that the second half, you know, was going to be much tougher and we'll, we don't have COVID now. That's kind of, you know, well, at least, you know, for the most part, it, it's kind of, you know, subsided a whole lot. But now that, that that's not going to be a factor, that there's going to be a lot of players coming back. And we, we certainly expect teams to be, you know, giving it a full go. You know, everybody's kind of more or less going to be healthy now uh, for the remaining of the season. Like that that second half tough schedule, that would give me a lot of concern here for Boston. I don't know if that's something that, that you considered or something that you thought about, but I worry um, that some of these teams in the beginning of the year you know, were, were, you know, really benefited of, you know, dealing with other teams being injured and other teams, you know, dealing with COVID, you know, when it comes to the SOS stuff. Yeah, that's a a big factor for me. You know, like you mentioned, just, you know, when you're playing somebody, you know, if they have guys hurt or out of the lineup, uh, whether there's, you know, injuries they're dealing with or just COVID in general, you know, that's a, a benefit for the other team and really can't knock the team for taking advantage of a, of a good situation that's what they're supposed to do. But, you know, when this uh, schedule gets tougher for them and, you know, you start to see things change a little bit and becomes a little uh, harder for those teams to win the way that they did, you know, before um, I think of the Utah Jazz, you know, going back to um, how they were playing before the All-Star break to where just about every game they played, you know, they were covering and, you know, lines couldn't, uh, makers couldn't make the, uh, the lines big enough for Utah. But then when they came out in the second half of the year, um, they weren't playing, they weren't playing as dominant of uh basketball as they were in the first half. And then when they go into the playoffs, you know, they get bounced in the second round to the Clippers who was without their, uh, Kawhi Leonard for the last, you know, two, two games or so. So, um, strength of schedule is, uh, is big for me as more as I'm learning and, you know, growing in this business and growing in this industry, you start to pay attention and weed out, you know, the stats or the advanced stats that don't really matter as much and start to narrow down on the ones that do. And uh, strength of schedule is a, a real big one for me. I love that smooth. I think the key thing you said there was that the longer you're in this business, the more that you're learning and you have to take the stats for what they are on paper, right? They're in black and white. But at some point, you have to scrub the crap out of them and say, you know, what's real? Like, what's the real story? Now, we could look at an NFL kicker and say, oh, yeah, he's 100 percent on the year. Well, he cooked, He only kicked the ball twice. You know, he was two for two. He wasn't the starter or whatever. And it was like, but the other guy, their, their, their starting kicker, um, you know, has, is hitting 60 percent. So there's always like something that's built in or something that's taken out or added to and you know, you learn a lot with that. And then, you know, going back to the strength of schedule, like I said, like there's going to be certain things that affect that. You know, one of the people that actually too, and we work with them is Mackenzie and RJ. They are really big, especially RJ um, with getting rid of garbage. Like if this thing is going to make these stats so obscure and it really um, doesn't matter and whatever the case might be, you know, we need to get rid of it. And and if we need to not throw it necessarily in the garbage, but we need to be able to separate certain things. And I think that, you know, that at least with the way that things are going, like this, this industry is, is getting very big. Like it's people like that, 
that are just going ahead and they're, and they're deep diving and they're thinking and they're saying, we need to get the truest number that we can to get the best value that we can versus just looking on, you know, site XYZ that's just telling you, oh, yeah, this team has, you know, this particular number. And I think that that's important for guys like you and I when we look at something like SOS and, and we can go ahead and say, you know, where's the garbage at? And that's like the next level of thinking. It's not just, oh, yeah, this team, you know, is, is their strength of schedule is 12. Well, is it really? You know, let's take a look at it and dig into it. So, um, but anyway, just throwing out, you know, throwing a, a praise and props to uh, RJ McKenzie for the stuff that they do. And, you know, we try to do the same kind of stuff. People can kind of get my drift. Let's jump over to the Western Conference here. Smooth. Now we got our four, five, six seeds. We have the Utah Jazz. We have the Dallas Mavericks and the Denver Nuggets. I want to start out here with Utah. You know, Smooth, I really liked Utah last year. I thought that they were live to probably win it just because that team, similar to, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, been together for a while, growing together, getting better, dominant player in Gobert, dominant player in Mitchell. You know, you had your role players out there as well that were doing their thing with Bogdanovich and Conley. Uh, decent bench. I felt like they maybe hit their pinnacle and they're starting to slide down. Now, we heard some riffs about, you know, kind of things going on between Mitchell and Gobert. I don't know if that concerns you at all. But I guess I still have faith that Utah can go ahead and do something. But I think that's exactly what they can do. I just feel like they can do something. I don't think that they can do it all. So that's a team that I'm kind of not writing off, but it's certainly not a team that, you know, that I have a whole hell of a lot of faith in right now. They're 12 games back. I know that they've dealt with some injuries. You know, is that a team that you think that kind of just stays where they're at, or do you think that they have a potential to go ahead and surge? You know, can they win the West? Can they win their conference? You know, can they win it all? Me personally, I think they're on the decline right now. Um that's just where I'm at right now with this team. I think, and it's not that I was bought in on them totally last year and really high on them and that, that they kind of let me down. I didn't have any tickets or anything like that on that team last year. So I have no reason I really have any bias. It's just, I just feel like they were, you know, they were where they needed to be and they just didn't get it done. And it's like, you know, we've seen teams like that before, you know, that, that, that got to their, you know, same kind of uh, expectations of them and then they just fell short. So that's kind of where I'm at with Utah right now. I guess I'm kind of just neutral. I don't think anything's super positive or super negative. I think it's just, you know, a team maybe that wins a first-round game gets bounced out in the second round if they get that far. My thoughts on Utah, if they were going to do anything, you know, significant, when we're talking about, you know, winning a title or, you know, just live up, you know, more to the expectations that, um, you know, this industry has had on Utah or even, you know, the basketball minds or talking heads have had around Utah – I think if they were going to do anything, it would have been last year, you know, just based off of the start that they got off to, you know, they were the number one team all throughout the, uh, the West. And I think overall in the NBA last year, you know, like I mentioned, they had a, a downfall or not as dominant in the second half going in and going into the playoffs, but just the structure of the NBA to where last year, you know, more teams just had like a, like a two man tandem. And, you know, that third guy would be inconsistent. And, you know, they felt they feel they fit that mold, too. So the playing field, I think, was a lot more uh, even across the board last year. And they came up short. And this year, I think teams are, you know, you have some super teams. Uh, you know, Milwaukee, they proved to be a super team. Uh, the Lakers, they got their teams together. But 
you know, they can't stay healthy for anything. But when you look at Golden State, you look at Phoenix, and then you look at Brooklyn, um, I think they're behind all of those teams. And, you know, you look at their numbers, you know, like we was just mentioning, you know, they have the number one offensive rating team uh, and the second net rating team, you know, in the league overall. But they went against the fourth easiest strength of schedule the first 60 games. And coming out of this break, they're going to face the fifth hardest schedule uh, remaining. So I'm not high on Utah. Uh, I, I think that they peaked. You know, you mentioned the 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 beef or whatever between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. You know, that goes all the way back to, you know, when Gobert uh, was the first player in the NBA that had COVID and the outbreak started with Utah. And since then, that relationship has had a problem and doesn't seem like it's gotten much better. You know, there's been rumors that, you know, Mitchell could want out uh, soon and teams are getting in position to go after him and, and, and make room to try to realistically get him. And, you know, I just don't see it with Utah, especially out West. I think it's just a two, a two team race, um, you know, between Phoenix and Golden State uh, with Memphis having an outside shot. But I don't think Utah is one of those teams. I think they peaked last year. And I think there can be a, you know, a, a big implosion, you know, if they collapse. I see them going out again, you know, in the second round, you know, maybe win the first round and run up against a team like Golden State or Phoenix in the second. And I don't think they get past them. So um, I just see another flame out for Utah. And I definitely look to uh, to bet against them, you know, the rest of the season. You know, Smooth, with all that stuff that you just said, you kind of brought something up that made me think like, all right, we get it. Like Utah last year, like they hit their pinnacle and we're, maybe we didn't know where they were, you know, coming into this year. Maybe we didn't know where they would go, but off the top of your head, like, is there another team that you can come up with like off the top of your head currently that is similar to Utah, like where they're at, like their peak. And it's like, if they don't get it done, then they're going to fall off because, you know, we kind of, I don't want to say we made the mistake with Cleveland, but no, maybe we saw, maybe we didn't see Cleveland you know, getting here and being like, you know what, we missed that team, you know, making that big leap. And then maybe right now we're kind of identifying Utah as in like, look, they might make this big decline. You know, is there another team out there that kind of reminds you of of a Utah, uh, you know, that we could like bet on or bet against or, or maybe there's not because there's been so many moves this year, you know, with uh, players flying all over the place and injuries and COVID and stuff like that. So, no, I just kind of just, making the sausage just kind of just, you know, wrap my brain around a lot of things, but Utah again, gives me, gives me concern. Yeah. For me, there's not a team, another team that's currently in the same situation as Utah right now, but there was a team that was in their situation and they just blew it up and pulled the plug on everything. And looks like they're going in the full rebuild mode. And that was the Portland trailblazers. And, you know, they had, you know, runs similar to Utah. You know, they had that one run where they got hot and made it to the Western Conference Finals, but they got swept out by uh, Golden State. And ever since that series, they've been bounced out in the uh, in the first round. And, you know, this season, um, you know, coming into it, there's a lot of talks. Obviously, we know about, you know, Dame, uh, Dame Lillard being traded or wanting out, but you know, once this season got started, you know, they just realized that they weren't good enough and, you know, traded away a lot of their core players like Norman Powell and Robert Covington and CJ McCollum. 
and a couple other guys and the emergence of uh, Anthony Simons the development of him was a, a young guard but I think I think Utah could be that team um going into you know next season um if they fall short again that's uh same boat as Portland so I see those teams being more similar to each other and Portland just you know pulled the trigger you know this season as a couple weeks ago so I think Utah could be headed for the same same type of situation. That makes perfect sense. I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about Portland. I mean, I guess we can kind of say that that's exactly kind of what we're experiencing here with Utah. I mean, that team. I mean, they. I mean, they probably could have beat anybody, you know, had they gone out there and played their best basketball. But I think they eventually realized, like, we're not going to be able to get it done, you know, with this current roster. I don't know about you, Smooth, but. You know, just this little conversation that we're having right now makes me think like we should probably be fading Utah next year. You know, maybe go ahead and bet them not to make the playoffs. Go ahead and bet their season win, um, bet their season win total under, because I could see, you know, some things just just end up blowing up with that team. Is that something that you, that you, maybe we can go ahead and get down on? You know, early is that something that you would uh you know that you'd support? Yeah, I agree. I you know I look to bet against Utah the rest of this season, and when the numbers come out for next season, as far as win totals and things like that, you know I look to play against them as well. So, yeah, we agree right there. All right, good stuff on that one. I thought that was a pretty good talk. A little, a little long, but I think we got some good stuff out of there. Let's jump over to Dallas. Dallas right now sitting in the fifth seed. Uh, we know that they went ahead. They shipped Porzingis out of town. I personally didn't like that move. I mean, I guess maybe you would be able to break it down a little bit better, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint. I personally like Porzingis. I don't think he was all that bad. I think the biggest problem with him was the fact that, you know, he was just, you know, he wasn't healthy all the time. He wasn't always available. And I think that that eventually, you know, hurt the Mavs. Uh, Luca's Luca. I mean, the dude's a baller. I mean, you know that. He's one of the best players in the league. Dallas is probably another year away. You know, maybe they get something through free agency. Maybe they get something really attractive in the draft. Um, I don't know what to make of Dallas. You know, I think that we saw kind of a Dallas team with Luka last year, you know, what what they can do and as much as they can, you know, push a team. But I don't see them really doing much, you know, maybe winning in the first round, probably getting bounced in the second or getting bounced in the getting bounced in the first round. Uh, high confidence that they're going to make the playoffs and high confidence that they'll be pesky but I don't have high confidence that they're going to push, you know, a team like Golden State or a team like the Suns, you know, when, when push comes to shove. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, right now with them. I'm kind of just neutral. Um, that's just where I'm at with them right now. What are you thinking? Yeah, the the trade of Porzingis, at first it caught me off guard, you know, a little bit because I think under Jason Kidd that they started to play a, a lot better together with him and Luka on the court. Um, but like you said, um, injuries just can't stay healthy on the court. And over the last two years, out of 164 regular season games, he's only played in about 70, 77 of those games. So it's kind of hard to develop consistent, you know, chemistry, you know, with, uh, between Luca and Christoph Porzingis because he's not able to stay on the court. So, um, they traded, traded him away and got a lot of pieces back that, are you know kind of role players but you know they're stars in their roles and when you have Luca who's a legit you know uh superstar can go off and get 30 or 40 uh any night you know with a triple double you know they have one of the best defenses in the league 
Um, you know, they're, they're, I have them about 3.4 points better than the average team. So I think they're going to be a tough, uh, a tough matchup for a lot of teams that they face, you know, look at how well they play defensively. And, you know, they had the 21st uh, strength of schedule in the first half of the season. And it doesn't get that much tougher, you know, the rest of the season with the 19th hardest strength of schedule. So I think they're going to stay where they're at and uh, just be a tough matchup, you know, in the playoffs with whoever they face. Um, They could possibly win the first round, you know, depending on, you know, Luka and, you know, what teams can, you know, able to do with him. But um, I think the Mavs, I think you could play the Mavs, you know, for the rest of the regular season in some spots, especially when they're uh, underdogs. So I look to back the Mavs for the rest of the year. What do you think that they need going into next year? Like, um, is there like maybe a player that that's attractive to you that, you know, let's say they can get a hold of like, I don't maybe like a Lillard. I don't know if that would necessarily work, but you heard rumors of, you know, Dallas maybe going ahead trying to pick him up, but uh, clearly they're a guy short, you know, they, they need another superstar probably on that team in order to make it unless Luca is just, you know, at that LeBron James level where he's going to be able to carry a team to a title. I don't think. Um, and I don't want to, you know, throw shade on Luca, but I just don't think he's as, you know, he's that, he's that guy. Um, is there anybody that's kind of attractive to you that you wish that like, um, Dallas would pick up and then maybe they can, you know, make that big push. Yeah. I'm not sure how realistic it would be, but if they were to able to land like a, a player, like a Bradley Beal or Beal in himself, you know, and pairing him with Luca, I think that would be a perfect fit because, He's that other, you know, off-ball guard that you can pair with a Luka that doesn't have to be ball dominant to have a huge impact and put up huge numbers. Um, you know, we saw how well he played with uh, Westbrook, with Westbrook being, you know, a ball dominant guard, and that was the best, you know, year that Bradley Beal had in his career. He was second in leading the league in scoring and probably would have been first if he didn't have a few injuries coming down, you know, the last, you know, five or six games or so when he was battling Steph Curry, but they were able to get a player like that or Bradley Bill and himself, um, that would be a perfect parent for Luca. Um, but you know, if, the, if somebody's el- if somebody else is available that has a game like Bradley Bill's that they can pair with Luca, um, I think that would be a perfect fit. Um, but just Luca by himself, I don't see them being a title contender. They'll be a tough team to play against, but I think they'll obviously need a, another player of Luca's caliber, to, you know, to take that pressure off of him. All right, so an interesting discussion there. Let's go ahead and jump into our final one there, smoothing that we can go ahead and close out the podcast. Six seed in the West, we currently have the Denver Nuggets. Uh, you were talking the other day about uh, Nikola Jokic, and you kind of thought that, you know, maybe we should have an MVP ticket in our pockets on him. I'm not sure what you think about this team's move. Um, well, I think they needed guys like Jamal Murray. You know, they need a guy like Michael Porter Jr., um, to go ahead and, and be out there and to be able to help contribute. But they're not a bad team, but I think that that's a team that's kind of benefited from, you know, a lot of the COVID type stuff, a lot of the injury type stuff. Um, give them credit, you know, where credit's due. They're, right now they're sitting in the sixth seed. But this is a team that I think that is like a live candidate to maybe potentially get swept in the first round. Um, I get it. You have Jokic. I mean, dude's a baller. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I think they're just too weak. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really looking to do anything with a team like Denver. You know what? Um, I actually like the Nuggets quite a bit. Um, and just what they've been able to do, you know, the first 60 games, 
you know, missing two of their top three players in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And they pretty much missed Michael Porter Jr. this season because he's only played in nine games and, you know, not having Murray at all. You know, they're 33 and 25, you know, sitting at the sixth seed. And that was with playing against the 12th toughest schedule and going into the you know, remaining of the season, there are 24 games left. You know, they have the eighth easiest strength of schedule. So, you know, they've probably been the team that's, you know, missed their, had the most games missed by their, you know, top two out of three stars. And they've been playing pretty, pretty well. You know, they have the seventh best offensive rating, 14th best uh, defensive rating, overall 10th best net rating. And they was going up against, you know, a, a strength of schedule just right outside the top 10 in the, it's a, a lot easier for them. So I think that's also something that'll strengthen up the uh their case, you know, Nikola Jokic's case for the MVP. You know, when you look at the numbers that he's put up while going up against a hard schedule like that, it's gonna get easier for him. So I, I think it'll be pretty hard to put up, you know, even more crazier numbers than he's already had, but just putting them up more on a consistent basis. But now he'll have a, a better chance of getting, you know, more wins under his belt with a strengthen up his uh, MVP case. So, you know, I'm high on the Nuggets, and I'll look to play – I'll look to back them, you know, in the second half of the season, you know, when they come out of the break. I guess it makes sense. When we talk about this often, sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter what players that you have as long as they can fit the system and kind of just, you know, make that oiled machine kind of roll. Uh, I guess that kind of fits, you know, with Denver, and I guess it is kind of impressive the fact that, like, you know, Murray's not out there, Porter's not out there, and they're still winning games. I mean, they are the sixth seed. Um no, and the strength of schedule that you mentioned, you know, maybe like, again, you, we do this stuff every day, but, you know, we, we always have our square opinions too. And, you know, that to me, you know, after listening to you, like I had like a really square opinion um, and generally you want to fade that. So you probably would want to listen to smooth and probably ride with smooth on that um, with Denver in mind. Uh, but with that, let's go ahead and we'll wrap up the pod there, Smooth. I do want to let everybody know uh, right now on the bettingpredators.com, Chris Dell had put up the NBA package. That's just the player prop stuff and DFS stuff. But as Chris has always done before, he uh, criminally underprices stuff. So uh, make sure you guys go ahead and check that out. I believe the NBA Discord channel is up and running and ready to rock and roll. So go ahead over there and check that out and uh, go ahead and like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. But with that said, you guys know where to find us on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame at smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.